0: I hope you know I'm like the only human being on the face of the planet that does like hooks.
1: What did I just step I want, into? I
0: want my classes back. No, I I get a hooks. I get hooks. I get hooks. It's just too much black magic. The API is a little clunky. Like, you know, uh, but like, it's fine. I get that I am the minority opinion here and yeah. that's
1: okay. You probably don't like using JSX either, huh? You want to write all your create elements.
0: Not even create elements. I don't want to know. I don't want to take it that far. Like but I do have to say every time I use JSX, I know I'm doing something a little "quote unquote" dirty.
2: This episode of JS Party is brought to you by Rollbar. Deploy with confidence more often, spend less time worrying, and more time on improving your code. You can feel safe knowing every error is reported in real time with Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com.
3: Welcome everyone, you're listening to JS Party, a weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. Help us spread the word, and we'll help you dress to impress with some JS Party swag. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, blog about the show, or personally recommend it to a friend, and let us know by emailing jsparty at changelog.com. On November 1st, we'll select all emails, order by random, limit one, and ship you that free shirt. Okay, let's get into it, hey. It's party time, y'all.
4: Hello, hello, and welcome to a new episode of JS Party. And today we have a wonderful guest, Ben Ilegbodu. But before I introduce him, I'd like to introduce the panel that we have with us. We have Amal.
0: Hello, everybody.
4: And we also have Suze. Hello,
0: how's it going? Did your accent just change? You said Suze in like an Aussie accent. Did you realize that? That's, that's <laughs> awesome. She's like, wow. and with us we have Suze. I was like, okay. Hi, Suze. Okay, yeah.
4: You caught me. That was cute. I don't know. Like sometimes I say things in weird voices. I don't know if you have this. I want to introduce Ben before I jump into like okay. other
1: things. we like. <laughs> Thirty seconds in, it's already yeah, off the rails.
0: Right.
4: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I grew up in a culture with different people from different like backgrounds, so mm. I code switch a lot. Like I do lot, the same thing. Lot. Same here. Because same I grew here. up in
5: Oceania, so yeah.
4: Yeah. So my English now is actually not the English I speak at home. Anyway, um, and with <laughs> us today. We have Ben Elegbodu. What's up, Ben?
1: Hello, everyone. Hi, Hi, y'all. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here.
4: Yeah, we're psyched. Before we dive in, well, we already sort of did.
1: Yeah, we did.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We dove deep, yeah.
4: Yeah, we start very deep. Would you care to introduce yourself just a little so people know who you are and what you do?
1: Sure, yeah. So, like you said, I'm Ben Elegbodu. I am a principal front-end engineer at Stitch Fix. So most of you have probably heard of Stitch Fix, hopefully have used Stitch Fix, but for those who haven't heard about us yet, um, we're online right now focusing on clothing service. So we combine uh, engineering and algorithms and a human stylist, put them together to get you uh, great clothes at the timing of your choosing. So hopefully we can make you more stylish over time is the plan and you not have to spend time clicking around on a site trying to find something that fits. So that's Stitch Fix. I'm a front-end engineer there, so I focus on our platform team. So not our features, but actually making the other developers awesome and the features that they build awesome. So working on our design system, which is in TypeScript, we'll be talking about that more, and React. And then also focusing on kind of the back-end of the front-end or front-end DevOps a.k.a. DivOps, as I like it. Oh, not Divya, nice. not Divya Ops, but DivOps. Yeah,
0: new term. <laughs> I, I like this, DivOps. Yeah,
1: a friend of mine coined it, and I've just been trying to broadcast it everywhere.
0: Yeah.
1: So that's yeah. Your, your babbles. Making,
0: making fetch happen.
1: Yeah, your babbles, your webpacks, your ESLint configs, all that kind of stuff to make your site work, focusing on that as well. That's awesome. I think yeah. we
4: can just dive straight into it because you talked a little bit about React and TypeScript, but I think mm-hmm. what would be useful is like we're going to start just talking about TypeScript, and then from there, we can move to like how it adapts to React. Mm-hmm. But for the first segment, I think we just want to talk about the TypeScript ecosystem because we know you've been working a lot with TypeScript. And this is obviously a very loaded question, but okay. like, what do you think, from your perspective, is the biggest like benefit to using TypeScript in a project?
1: I think... The biggest benefit is communication. So you no longer have to go and look at some code and figure out, oh, what's the shape of this object that it takes? Or does it take a number and a string or just a number? Or does it take three parameters or two parameters? Like all those kind of things that you have to figure out, TypeScript will enforce and let you know those kind of details. So that's half of it. The other half is just preventing bugs. So like oh, this thing can be undefined in a certain case, but, you know, I know what I'm doing, so I'm sure it's always going to be <laughs> defined. But, you know, that's not always the case. You know, our bug snag or century reports tell us otherwise. So it helps with those sorts of situations to make sure you do your proper checks and, and things like that. So it's both the typing as well as the kind of catching of our code.
5: hmm has Stitch Fix always used TypeScript or is this something that was introduced a little bit later? Because I know that Stitch Fix is not like a super, super old company. So it's possible that yeah. that's how it started.
1: So I basically came and was like, TypeScript. <laughs> it was you. Folks were like, we don't use TypeScript here. And I was like, well, let's just see what it, you know, what it'll look like. So I did a, I guess a prototype or proof of concept in our react component library. So I said, you know, if we ever move to TypeScript and react, we're going to want that component library to be in TypeScript because that'll be super helpful. So let me try it in there and see how it works. And, you know, slowly but surely people have uh, seen the benefits. I did a whole workshop in it as well to kind of open people's eyes to what it could be. So Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: that was the process.
0: Uh, That's really cool. So was it easy for you to slowly adapt TypeScript throughout your JavaScript code base? Like, were you able to do it incrementally?
1: Yeah, it's been incremental. So I did it from scratch in the component library. So I was building the component library from scratch. So that was nice. Did the workshop, people were excited, and then a team decided to do it in one of their features. So they kind of all mob programmed on uh, a PR and each one of them had to change a file over to TypeScript so they could all feel comfortable doing it in that PR. Then they merged that PR. And now as they uh, go through other files, they convert over to TypeScript. So it's been incremental. I never suggest whole rewrites, because that's not beneficial to anyone, really.
0: (laughs) Let's throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Yeah. Um, No, that's, like, (laughs) such a great strategy. I love that you all were, like, collaborative, and, like, everyone made that mental model shift. Like, so here's something you know take something mm-hmm. you know, and now write it in this other language. And so the Delta yeah. is like the language and, you know, and you're like learning all the things along the way. Um, yep. That's a really great strategy. Uh, I think the folks at Airbnb recently open source TS Migrate as well, which we'll link in the show notes, but that's a, it's Sweet. just a, yeah. Which is a, TS Migrate takes your JavaScript code base using ASTs just kind of makes, you know, makes it functional TypeScript. Um, I'm not mm-hmm. sure like, I haven't looked into like how readable or like what <laughs> yeah. the what the what the bugs are, what the deltas are, what the support, you know, but like my guess, you know, it, f- from my understanding like they were able to use it pretty effectively inside of Airbnb nice. and um, you know, nice. and, and they're pretty big on code quality there, so, you know.
1: Yeah.
5: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is super interesting. TS migrate um, on GitHub. I guess before we kind of like maybe jump into like the TypeScript love train, I kind of want to like talk a little <laughs> bit about some other controversial things. So, okay. you know, there is Get them out know, early. Yeah, get him out early. Get them out early. <laughs> Right. Like so TypeScript like definitely is I I would see it as a superset of JavaScript at this point, you know. Mm-hmm. Um everything in JavaScript should work in TypeScript. Um everything in TypeScript obviously doesn't work in JavaScript, right? Different right. compiler. Mm-hmm. But there are some like they kind of did go off the rails initially. There are feature they were features that in TypeScript that really never made it into JavaScript and there's some non JavaScripty things, you know, and now I think they've kind of committed to staying with ECMA, like, you know, which is great, but they kind of left those other things in. And so it just kind of creates this murky kind of a language for me. So I'm just, you know, do you have thoughts on that? Like, and if that's
1: been challenging for you? Yeah, I mean, so the flip side is that the majority of the stuff they did come up with actually made it into ECMA. So classes and things like that. So they were really pushing the needle in some respects, Um, but yeah, there are things like enumerations and interfaces, especially which Mm -hmm. are Mm -hmm. really core to TypeScript, which I don't know what the plan is if that's ever going to be in, in JavaScript, but I think it, it works out okay because there is a confusion though, because especially with interfaces versus types, you can define an object in two different ways with the interface Mm -hmm. or with the type. And even in their docs, it's really confusing as what's the difference between one or the other. And whenever I talk about TypeScript, that's always the first question. Like, should I use interface? Should I use a type? What's the difference between the two of them? And I'm like, hmm, 99% of the time, maybe 95% of the time, there's no difference. So it's already like a confusion right in the beginning.
0: Yeah. I'm, for me, like, this is exactly why standards bodies exist, right? Yeah. It's like they, things take a long time because they're well thought. And they yeah. think about the present, the back compat, and the future story, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you have a bunch of folks like going off in their own and like, we're going to make a thing, right? Like sometimes you're solving solved problems, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you're potentially creating weirdness in the language, right? So language design is its own art. And there yeah. are people in the TC39 community that specialize in language design, you know, that aren't implementers or browser or web developers, right? They're just like... I like to call them language nerds, but Jordan Har- 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 Harband <laughs> likes to use the word language aficionados, which is maybe okay. not, not more, you know. It has
1: a positive yeah. spin on right, it.
0: Right, 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 you know, but, you know, so yeah, I'll, I'll get off my train now, but, or my, not my train. What do you call those things? Stepladder, or get, I'll get Your off of my soapbox? Box. soapbox? My yeah. soapbox, okay. I'll get off of it, okay. yes, thank you.
4: Oh, no, I think it's it's a really interesting point because having worked on TypeScript projects with non-JavaScript developers, It's interesting to see the assumptions that you know from JavaScript and then other languages too, because Mm -hmm. if you write another language like C, you would use an interface for things. And Mm -hmm. then a JavaScript person would not, might use types instead because Mm -hmm. interfaces is not common to the language. And so it's really interesting to just, having worked in a code base with programmer, more like systems level programmers writing TypeScript, they write TypeScript at a totally, completely different level than a JavaScript engineer because I'm like, I think I know TypeScript and then I'll work with like a systems person on a TypeScript project and I'll be like, I have no idea what you're writing because they would do like, various bindings. So they
0: create their own custom types? Do they create Mm -hmm. their own custom
4: types? They would do bindings. So like for example, if you're using like one of the libraries you're using is CapNP, which is like the protobuffer library for C, and then there's like a way in which you can take that and produce TypeScript types from it (laughs) using a particular like CLI command in order for you to use those libraries in a Java. So it's like Going one step further, so it's not just like typing your JavaScript, but allowing for interop with other languages, which oh. I think is interesting. really interesting. It's like a very advanced use case. Yeah. Oh my
0: God, that that sounds like Kotlin for the folks who write mobile. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you know, Kotlin has this interesting interop story with Java, where you have like Java code next to Kotlin code, and I'm like, what is this black magic? You know? <laughs> um, yeah, but that's compilers. You know, that's like the compilers doing all of that like context management. So.
1: What I've also found is that TypeScript makes JavaScript approachable to people who write Java, C Sharp, (laughs) and stuff like that. It's like, like, oh, I see types, interfaces, classes. Oh, yes, I know what to do with this. And
5: I experienced that at Microsoft as well, watching people be able to move over to it from C Sharp. But they would still write it in a very C Sharp way, going back to what we were talking about. (laughs) So there would be this onion skin of the implementations, platform. you know, yeah. um, and yes. I was like, "Yep, yeah, this is definitely yeah. a C sharp
0: developer who wrote yeah. this." Yeah. yeah, you can now over engineer in JavaScript like, like you know syntax. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, You know the way I've kind of been really, I've been watching TypeScript from a distance because I, I've only recently had to learn it because of work, and I've literally was avoiding learning it because it just didn't speak with, to my nerd heart. You know, I was too much of a grandma about it. I understand <laughs> the benefits now. <laughs> Like, what, you know, I see the benefit, but there's still a separation of concerns here, which I think the community needs to be clear on, though, which is that, like, TypeScript is really good at type checking, and I still don't think we should be using TypeScript to transpile. I think you should be using the Babel types plugin to transpile so that mm-hmm. you kind of have a separation of concerns because and you only use TypeScript for type checking, right? So that's, that's what just, I use. And not use the TypeScript compiler. Yeah, and it lets you do a lot of cool stuff with performance too. Like I've had to do that recently where you can parallelize tasks and, you know, especially for tests and, you know, builds, um, you can do things uh, in a cleaner, more parallelizable way because you have a clear separation of concerns. But I, I get it. Like TypeScript makes JavaScript like a much more approachable like language for people coming in from other communities. And and I think that is, for me, that's like a saving grace because I think JavaScript's now been saved from the like only the compile target world, right? Like people still have to learn JavaScript to write TypeScript, right? Like there's no like, like, you know what I mean?
4: It's actually really interesting. I'm sort of similar in that I've been watching TypeScript and haven't used it until like maybe a year or so ago. Mm And for me, writing TypeScript or understanding TypeScript required me learning a different language and then coming back. Like, I had to go learn a typed language, like Go, Uh and then come back in and understand how it works. Because having worked in JavaScript and Vanilla and Frameworks for a while, you sort of have assumptions on how things are written. And so when you're, for example, faced with an interface, you're like, I don't understand how this works or why I would use it and in what instances... And so when you work with a programming language where that's common, you sort of see use cases in which it's used. Yeah. And for me, learning TypeScript, like I've actually watched video, like Frontend Masters does a bunch of videos on TypeScript and Egghead and so on. And I've watched those videos trying to be like, okay, you're going to learn TypeScript. And I never, I never understand it. And the documentation, it's a good community, but, but I'm sorry, the docs are not very <laughs> good. Like yeah. I find them very confusing in general. Yes. And so for me, the, the journey of learning it required me going away and then coming back, which I don't know how common that is, but that's been really useful for me because now when I write TypeScript, I'm like, oh, okay, this is what I would do in Go. And now like I understand why, how it applies in this particular use case.
1: Well, the docs are written for somebody with just your experience, somebody who knows JavaScript but who's also learned another typed language before so there's all these analogies from like oh when you do it this way it's like this now in typescript so you had to have known the previous way typed way before to apply it and i find that to be um yeah challenging in the docs as well so i've had that background so i understand it but i can put myself in plenty of people's shoes where it's like how would you understand what a generic is based upon how this is explained if you hadn't used yeah. Java generics or C-sharp generics before. so
4: Yeah, it's the same with, like, function overloading. I did not, for the life mm-hmm. of me, understand it. I was like, why oh, would yeah. I need this?
1: Yep. And then
4: yeah. it took me going somewhere else and being like, oh, okay, this is a use case in which you use function overloading. And I still don't use it often. Like, I don't reach for it because mm-hmm. there's no such thing in JavaScript. Yep. Yeah,
0: it, it, like, there's certainly a level of also server code. For me, this... I feel like there's just so many patterns that are more common in server code, and now that we have TypeScript and Node, like you can kind of supercharge your Node apps. I think to, to just do things in a cleaner way using a JavaScript like syntax, but like I think that's why you're like I don't reach for it. I think it's like Python is really good at data the management because it has a bunch of really cool functions that let you do cool like things in a streamlined way, you know, and I think. I same same thing here. I think TypeScript is a supercharging Node from like what I've seen so far from the teams that are, have adopted it on their backends. Like it's it's, there's some really good patterns like that you're able to actually do. So that's a plus.
5: Ben, how did you handle this education at uh, Stitch Fix when it came to people having to get over that hump? You know, you you mentioned that you got people to just like rewrite the files they were familiar with in TypeScript, but were, were there struggles with people who had only ever written JavaScript and needed to learn all of these new types terms?
1: Yeah. So I mentioned in passing that, um, I did a workshop. So everybody kind of had experience with react front end engineers are writing react code or whatever. So I was like, well, this is how we do things in TypeScript and react. So it was really a, um, It was obviously educational, but also a sales pitch as well. So it's like, this is how you do props in TypeScript. And you use interfaces. And these are all the different benefits you get versus the struggles we have with React prop types. So you have to define your props. You can't just use them in your code. right? You can't pass in additional props if they're not defined. They have to be the right types. You have to define the structure of objects that you're passing in, like all these different things that are kind of loosey-goosey with React prop types like you have to do uh, with TypeScript. So there's lots of benefits there. And then kind of slowly introducing common patterns you do in React, this is how you do it in TypeScript. So it wasn't like a, here's TypeScript. Oh, by the way, this is how you do it in React. It's like the reverse to enable, you know, uh, using TypeScript in an applied way. There was something else, though, Amal, if I can jump in that you said or continue, I guess.
0: Yeah, go for jump it. Jump
1: in on myself. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah, go for it. You mentioned Babel, right? And I think the Babel plugin or preset for TypeScript is what really helped TypeScript take off in the JavaScript community because you had all these folks who were kind of For better or worse, invested in Babel with all your plugins, your React plugin, your Babel env plugin for getting stage three presets or whatever the case may be. And if you wanted TypeScript, all of a sudden you had to throw all that stuff away and start using the TypeScript compiler to transpile your code as well as type check. Well, once they added that plugin, now you could use TypeScript in Babel in your own ecosystem. Just add in the plugin and everything else is the same and then you use the typescript compiler for actually type checking. So, I think that was super helpful for adoption in the community. And that's the approach I I tell people to use. Babel is just a better transpiler in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it is because because that's what it's good for, right? That's what it's it's designed to do well and like yep. it, with the Unix philosophy of do one thing well, right? Like mm-hmm. Right. Let's use TypeScript compiler for type checking, which is, you know, its responsibility, not like Mm -hmm. managing all the JavaScript idiosyncrasies across browsers. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. So,
0: yeah. And I can't say the word idiosyncrasies, I think. I don't know. (laughs) I'll stop now.
3: Whether you're working on a personal project or managing enterprise infrastructure, you deserve simple affordable and accessible cloud computing solutions so you can take your project to the next level. Simplify your life with Linode's Linux VMs to develop, deploy, and scale your applications faster and easier. Get started on Linode today with $100 in free credit for our listeners. You can find all the details at linode.com changelog or if you're not at your desk, just text changelog to 474747 and get instant access to that hundred bucks. Linode has 11 global data centers and provides 24 seven, 365 human support with no tiers or handoffs, regardless of your plan size. In addition to shared and dedicated compute instances, you can use that $100 credit on S3 compatible object storage, manage Kubernetes, and more. Visit linode.com changelog and click on the create free account button to get started or just text changelog to 474747. Get started today on Linode. Ooh.
0: So Ben, yes, yeah, Babel, TypeScript, like it's the magic of the open source ecosystem that like mm-hmm. I think lets this cool kind of synergy of like improvements incrementally happen at an enormous scale. Like it's amazing, right? How the NPM ecosystem has changed our worlds um, as engineers writing JavaScript to be specific. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, you have millions of packages written in JavaScript
1: I don't, but the community does. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, the royal you. You, know? you like, or yes. the royal the, the community. royal we. Yeah, yeah, we, capital, yeah. Um, something. something. So we have all these millions of packages written in JavaScript, right? Some of them like ain't nobody gonna update, right? Like right. they've solved their problem and it's widely adopted and used, we're not touching it. Like <laughs> Redux is a good example of that, for example. But what happens like when I have to use these packages in my TypeScript application and like there's no types, right? And like the yeah. compiler barks and I'm just, can you talk to us about that journey and how the communities kind of solve that problem?
1: Yeah, so just kind of taking a step back In order to use TypeScript and I guess in a strict mode, all of your dependencies have to be typed as well. That's how you know that when you call this function that you imported, that it takes a string and gives you back a number, for instance. So if that package isn't written in TypeScript or doesn't at least contribute TypeScript definitions itself, well, the best alternative is to look at this repo called definitely type. And definitely typed as a repository of all types for all of these public or popular packages, I will say. There's probably some unpopular ones in there, too. But popular packages that don't have types. So React is in there. I use that a lot. Even the Node um, APIs and such are in there. And basically any package you want hopefully should be in there. So you import. If you're using React, you would also import at types slash react. So they use the the types scope. And then when you import from React in your code, then it will look inside the 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 types package to get the types. So if that made sense. So that's kind of how those two go together. TypeScript knows to look in that package if there are no definition files uh, defined for it.
5: We had an interesting experience with that at Stripe when... Mm -hmm. Our Node.js client library didn't have types out of the box. And so, you know, the community volunteered to do that. And then when we released types finally, which was, I think, February this year, something like that, first quarter of this year, we were really excited to announce it. But then the problem is that you have this overlap thing where if somebody is already committed to using the um, community-supported types, they don't know necessarily know that the new version yeah. of our library actually has the types in it. And so we had to do a lot of communicating. We have like an email newsletter and we sort of tried to get mm-hmm. that message out. But I would still talk to developers and just casually mention our types and say, how are you enjoying them? And they'll say, oh, we didn't even know. And, you know, the community um, types didn't always stay up to date with the SDK yep. and things like that. So it was yep. pretty problematic.
1: Yeah, well, I've seen, I don't know how this is done, but I've seen some packages where, oh, maybe that's what they do. So the at types package, so yours would be at types stripe, let's say. For Mm -hmm. I don't know what the actual name is. What they would do is they would have a message in the package when you install it that says, well, the real package has type definitions now, so this package doesn't do anything anymore. You don't need this types package anymore. So maybe that's something that the community can do is update that one to say, it's a no-op. You don't need this anymore. And then now everything can come from the the main one.
0: Yeah. I mean, to me, it sounds like we need two things here. We need a deprecation model for the community types. Yeah. But one that has some notion of like version and like understanding at what point in the version is this deprecated, right? Like if you're using an Mm. older version of Stripe's SDK, Mm -hmm. you still need need this right? Yep. And so, and I think in order to kind of communicate that back, I think it would be great for packages to maybe, maybe we need like a, a key in the package JSON that's like using types, mm-hmm. you know, and like, if the package is using types, then the community at types deprecation model would pick it would say like, you know, if you're using this version, like,
1: I don't know. So there is a key.
0: There's a way to do this is what I'm, I'm trying to say. We just need a standard, you know,
1: there's a key in your package that mm-hmm. says you're using types, because you Point to your types in the package JSON yeah. of your package, but the problem is that community types doing that association, that deprecation yeah. model, like that, yeah.
0: doesn't exist. I can open an issue for this, though. I think it's worth opening an issue on and discussing this. So. You have
1: the power. Yeah,
0: I am. You know, you know why I have the power though. I think this it's worth noting. The Definitely Types uh, repo is super open governance. Okay like our team at indigo like we just extended it for we added idle to mapbox because you know we, we need we started using that and we updated the types it's like they have this very open pull request workflow uh mm-hmm. it's pretty great we'll, we'll link it in the show notes but it's all a lot of there's a lot of robots involved let's put it that way you nice. know in in managing prs and changes and like releases so it's really cool
1: okay cool yeah so i have this whole talk about creating the perfect package repo. And mm-hmm. what I suggest is if you are going to provide TypeScript types, that you write your library in TypeScript. Because the worst is writing your t- uh, library in JavaScript and then trying to type it correctly with TypeScript. Like mm-hmm. like Suze was saying, like there's mm-hmm. going to be this uh, incompatibility. You'll make mistakes. And the worst thing is having bad TypeScript types for your package. I'd rather you yeah. have none that have bad ones. So it's just easier if it's written in TypeScript and they get auto-generated and everything's good.
0: Yeah, I know, but I mean, I don't know if it's fair to force TypeScript on people though, right? Like, let's be honest, like this is where I get upset about TypeScript because I feel like we have created some additional burden for maintainers, you know? And like maintainers who, I don't know, if you look at the most popular packages in the JavaScript ecosystem, like they are, a lot of them are written in the ES3, just so maintainers don't have to worry about the back compat issues yeah. with using arrow functions, you know what I mean? It's one less thing for them to maintain. And folks like even Jordan's, um, like, he's very lean about like what fancy new JavaScript features he's going to use. Like he's intentionally restrictive, right? So that he has less to maintain. Yeah. Uh, and doesn't have to transpile and this and add a bunch of tooling into a, like a like a library, you know. I feel like TypeScript, great for applications, great for some packages if you're willing to do them, you know, if you, you're you okay with having a compiler and all that jazz, you know. But like, it's the expectation on the community's part that I think is, you know, sometimes can be burdensome for maintainers, you know.
1: Well, that's my point. I'm saying like, it's either you write your package in TypeScript, that's my preference, or... You don't pri- provide TypeScript definitions at, at all, and you let the community create the types and definitely typed. <laughs> if you have a package written in JavaScript, ES3, whatever, also trying to provide TypeScript definitions, usually that person is not that great at TypeScript. That's why they didn't write it in TypeScript. And writing type, de- type definitions is actually pretty difficult. You actually have to know some TypeScript, especially if your, your code is very JavaScript-y, right? So then you end up having broken types. So I uh, attempted
5: this with an old library of mine just because I wanted it to be like cool. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) And I had no idea if anyone even tried would try to use it. But also it was a good opportunity for me to learn TypeScript beyond just writing it. And what would it be like to retrofit a types file that you manually produce? I found it really, really interesting exercise. But at the same time, I was so scared that there would be something subtle that I messed up that I ended up not merging it. Um, so I definitely relate to what you're saying there. And yeah. I'm assuming that because none of my libraries are actually popular, because they're incredibly niche, I'm assuming no one's put anything indefinitely typed for that specific <laughs> hardware library either,
1: so. You should check, maybe. Maybe. You never know.
5: I mean, it starts with A, so I don't have to scroll too much down the list yeah. <laughs> when I'm doing my, my GitHub tree search. <laughs>
0: Are you kidding me? Are we talking about a- AVR Girl? Or, well, yeah. I'm sorry. yeah. That's like such a popular library. Like, what are you talking about, Suze? Like, you're it's, like humble bragging now. It's
5: like quote unquote yeah. popular, like, as in, yeah. you know.
0: Well, it's popular within a subset of the community. And right. like, that's cool. Like, you know, you have your people. You
5: have <laughs> I appreciate it.
0: You're welcome.
5: It was a very interesting exercise just because of all the interfaces and everything in that library, because like, I definitely used try to kind of rewrite it at some point in TypeScript just because it can benefit from... It has so many different ways to, I guess, express the microchip that you're trying to flash that the interfaces would actually be very helpful for catching yeah. subtle subtle problems.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, can I... Divya, can we take a very minor segue to Suze? Yeah, through? yeah. So Suze, can you tell the community about like that one time you like revolutionized how bug reporting <laughs> like works <laughs> or should work <laughs> for avr girl. I know this I know the backstory here so and I think people should hear it because it's kind of amazing. Let's hear it. I need to make sure that service is still up and running. I put
5: it in Azure a long time ago and now I have to check on oh, it. it. No, it's okay. That's it's fine. So AVR Girl is usable on the command line. And so I didn't usually get very good quality bug reports. And it was really hard to get, I guess, reports that weren't necessarily bugs either, just to see, did did it work with this microchip? Did the library also work on this operating system? And, you know, what was the error message if there was one? So I ended up making just a secret hidden command, not so hidden, but just not really like functional for you to get your work done. But it was called test pilot. So if you ran the command line Um, AVRGirl and then TestPilot, it would basically pop up a browser, ask you to authenticate with your GitHub account, and then you could run a bunch of diagnostic tests. So you would plug in an Arduino, tell it what type of Arduino it was, uh, and then basically there was a back end node process that could sniff out what operating system you were on, what version of AVRGirl you were using, um, and what version of Node.js you were using. And so it would try to kind of do a bunch of stuff with the chip and then Generate a report and you could anonymize it if you wanted to. I just mostly use GitHub to avoid like spam um, yeah. more than anything. And then it would basically go into a database and email me when I had a fresh report. That actually did help me smoke out a lot of bugs with the system. And I ended up with basically, you can create GitHub issue templates, but not everybody fills them out. Whereas this nope. was a very And in a database so I could perform all kinds of analytics on what's the most popular operating system that people are using test pilot with and what's the most common error that's coming out of it and things like that, which was really, really helpful. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So I'm assuming that types would would help me probably avoid some of those errors, but well, we would see. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's amazing. But you would you would be actually be able to know that because you know you can tell what version they're using and when you when you introduce types, did the bug reports for go go down and some Towards, place, Right. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah yeah no that's so cool. And then you also had this community badging thing like where you for people who reported a bug got a badge and oh, she, yeah like, she kind of used the like social credit of like it was so get amazing, on badges yes. to. <laughs> I thought it was really cool, and I just wanted to like say I thought it was like super revolutionary, and you're freaking amazing. So thank like, you. That's cool. You should tell that story more often. So I don't, you know, like it's a good story to tell. Like I appreciate that. Yeah, Thanks. you're welcome. <laughs> All right. So back to you, Divio.
4: <laughs> no, no, no. This is a really good like discussion as to like how TypeScript can sometimes help with certain things, and sometimes it, is. it doesn't.
0: Thanks for bringing it back to TypeScript. That's great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Full circle.
4: Yeah. Thank you.
2: What's up, party people? I want to introduce AWS Amplify as a new sponsor here at JS Party. Amplify is a suite of tools and services that enable developers to build full-stack serverless and cloud-based web and mobile apps using their framework and tech of choice. Amplify is built to make front-enders successful because you can use your existing skill set to build full-stack apps that in the past would require deep knowledge around backend, DevOps, and scalable infrastructure. Amplify simplifies all of that. Amplify gives you easy access to hosting, authentication, managed GraphQL, serverless functions, APIs, machine learning, chatbots, and storage for files like images, videos, and PDFs. Check the link in the show notes for details or head to awsamplify.info slash jsparty Again, awsamplify.info slash DSParty.
4: TypeScript is really useful for, like, many things. And, like, one of the things that, Ben, you work on a lot is the integration of TypeScript and React Mm -hmm. because that's the framework of your choice. Yeah. I have no idea, like, because I don't use React anymore, what the general, like, adoption rate of TypeScript is with React. Can you speak more to just, like, the general ecosystem of TypeScript within React?
1: Mm, That's a good question, actually. I think there's a lot of interest in using typescript with react so a lot of people want to understand like is it worth the effort because there is definitely a learning Mm -hmm. curve with typescript we've already talked about that so like what benefits do you get out of it so there's a lot of interest i'm not sure how many people are you know applying it into their apps yet i haven't got a sense of that but there's definitely a lot of interest and i believe a lot of benefit in using it in react so i know that typescript it's like mandatory and angular, right? But for React, there's, there's a lot of interoperability with um, React as well, TypeScript and React. So there's a lot of benefits that you get, like I was mentioning before, with using TypeScript in React. A lot of it is on the props because mm-hmm. in React, basically, props are just an object that's passed to a function And TypeScript knows how to do that very, very well. Mm -hmm. So you end up getting basically piggybacking a lot of what TypeScript does well and improving React that way. And similarly, like a lot of the hooks and stuff like that, they're just functions that React Mm -hmm. is calling. And TypeScript knows how to do that very well, too.
0: Controversial functions. I hope you know I'm like the only human being on the face of the planet that does like hooks.
1: What did I just step I want, into? I
0: want my classes back.
1: <laughs> no, oh, I, really?
0: I, I, no, get, no, no oh. I, I get hooks, I get hooks, I get hooks. <laughs> it's just too much black magic. The API is a little clunky, like you know, uh, you know. But like you know, it's fine. I get that I am the minority opinion here, and yeah. that's okay.
1: You probably that's don't right. like using JSX either, huh? you want to write all your create elements.
0: <laughs> not even create elements. I don't want to know I don't want to take it that far. Like but I do have to say like I every time I use JSX, I know I'm doing something a little quote unquote dirty. you know what I mean oh. because it's oh. like writing my HTML in JavaScript that's not actually real HTML either like because there's like certain things you can't do in JSX yep. that you can do in HTML and and so you know that's the thing, like that's the the del- the delta. So if we could just get rid of that delta, I'd be okay about it, because then I could just pretend I'm using string templates. You know, that's the whole point. There is a They're delta. Not string templates. Well, no, 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 no. i uh, sorry, I meant like um, tag template literals. Like I want to oh, be specific. Yes. Sorry. You know what yes. I mean? Like yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That then I'd be like, all right, I'm actually using JavaScript to create my HTML, but it isn't even HTML. We're creating like it's like some cousin of it. So. But anyways, I'm segueing. I'm sorry. Um, you, you were saying, you were talking to us about React and TypeScript.
1: Yeah. What was I saying? Oh yeah, I was talking about the wonderful, wonderful hooks and how those are uh, functions and you know easy to type. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, there's just lots of, <laughs> lots of thanks for the lots drawing. of benefits. Uh, I think with TypeScript and React. So you know, I always say React is, and the community likes to say React is just javascript quote unquote Yeah,
0: i've said that before
1: since it's just javascript typescript um it benefits a lot from typescript Mm -hmm. it's kind of what it is so a lot of your interface with components is props so it helps there but then just a lot of code you write is beneficial as well as visual studio code so there may be other editors that have great typescript integrations but the integration between typescript and Visual Studio Code is just amazing. The auto-completion, mm-hmm. all of the inline error messaging, like I could write a whole app, and as long as I didn't care what it looked like, I could write a whole app without having to leave my editor just because of all of the information that it gives me.
0: Has anyone ever been able to use Visual Studio Code without their fans spinning though? Like, I'm just curious, cause like that's the one issue I really have with it is like performance. Really?
4: Yeah. Maybe. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I had this issue with Atom, but not much with VS Code. Yes, I mean, the only exactly. time that my fan runs is if I have it in a dev container. And okay. then that's because that's like basically Docker running in Visual yeah. Studio Code and running right. all kinds of things.
5: Right, right. It seems, though, that like VS Code plus TypeScript plus React and then with the possible like back end node JS debugging, it seems like the perfect kind of ecosystem. Yeah. And given that Microsoft created VS Code, the tight coupling to TypeScript support, things like that must make it a really world-class experience. Yep. Is that kind of the recommended way it's Stitch Fix, Ben?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So basically, I have this thing where anytime I pair with someone, pair program, I'm like, you know, VS Code exists as an editor and you know it does this and you know it does that like and i just try to you know gently suggest hey you know why don't you use vs code because I was somebody who was like, ah, I don't know about this VS Code thing. It was built by Microsoft, et cetera. What, <laughs>
0: what did you use before VS Code?
1: I used uh, Atom, yeah. Don't, oh, Atom, okay.
0: Which and, technically
5: is now owned by Microsoft. Exactly. Yeah, I was say. Yes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Microsoft
0: exactly. on the pledge to buy the JavaScript <laughs> ecosystem. So yeah. I was like,
1: you know what? I'll give VS Code a two-week trial. And I'm now what? Three years into my two week trial, or whatever the case may be. So it's been great and how it's been improving over time. My term, I use my terminal inside of it. So I can run tests while running TypeScript or while running um, my code, my app. So yeah, it's a pretty great experience. The TypeScript plus VS Code uh, integration is just amazing.
0: That's amazing. So, how, how does TypeScript make React? better? I'm just curious because in addition to the just type checking with JavaScript, like does using the React APIs get better too? Like, Are there less opportunities for foot gunning if you use TypeScript? Like, can you give us some examples of that?
1: Yeah, so because with, with your type definitions, now if I'm writing, um, let's just say I'm typing in an input field, it will auto-complete all of the different props or attributes that an input field has. Um, I have an on-change handler for my input field, and I get back an E, right, the event. And I say E dot, and it auto-completes what are all the options. And I say E dot target. Well, E dot target is now a reference to an input field, and it tells me all of the options that I have for that. And so I have value. I actually found something new that apparently an input field has the other day. I forget what it was. It was something related to value, a different form of it. Um, So just all that kind of information and auto-completion is helpful. So I have an array of stuff, and I do array dot. It's like, okay, map. And then inside of that, it tells me the first element is the first item, and it's of the right type and what I can do to it. So it's like all these kind of micro helps. So it's not one big huge thing like, oh, this has changed the world. I couldn't do React before that but it's all these little things to kind of assure me that I have the right type and I'm doing the right thing is really helpful, I find.
4: I guess the big upside to TypeScript with React is that React was class-based and a lot of TypeScript uses classes, and so it's really easy to integrate quite simply. And, and the reason I bring that is because in Vue we have TypeScript also, But oftentimes writing Vue with TypeScript requires you to write a class, which is not Mm -hmm. common in Vue at all. So your Vue TypeScript code looks completely different Mm -hmm. from like Vue without TypeScript. And I don't find that the case necessarily for working with React and TypeScript. Oftentimes it's sort of, you're still writing React. You just see more types within it, some interfaces sprinkled in and so on. And so that parity is actually really nice because... Mm -hmm you don't feel like you have to context switch completely. Like, I love you a lot, but the one gripe I have with it is just the TypeScript support is not great.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I remember it was Angular when they had their 2x++ release. Like, I think they're on version 9 or 10 or I don't know what now. But, like, uh, they made a very intentional decision to actually rewrite the library in TypeScript. And then it was the first, like, major framework to actually use TypeScript natively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't really use Angular without TypeScript. You know, Um, I thought that was a very, very bold move at the time. But now looking back on it, it's like been, I think, advantageous to them, if you think about it.
4: Yeah, back then, like people weren't using TypeScript actively. I think they were the first framework to just be like, we're going to use TypeScript now. And then I think frameworks are following suit. Like I say Vue support for TypeScript is not good. But with Vue 3, they actually rewrote everything (laughs) because it didn't support TypeScript before or the way it was Mm -hmm. written didn't support TypeScript. So they had to rewrite everything so that now it supports TypeScript really well. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just really interesting to see the community moving in this sort of direction um, with regards to using TypeScript within projects. So it's, it's not like an afterthought it's almost like, Oh, we definitely should be using TypeScript.
1: You want to at least make it possible. You know, you want people like, i um, all to not have to use TypeScript, but <laughs> no, you
0: know. it's not. I mean, it's. I, I think. Well, I mean, like. But.
1: <laughs> For those of us who <laughs> like it, you
0: know. Oh God. I so in all fairness, <laughs> I'm very skeptical of new technology as somebody who, you know, has to evaluate new tools for a living. Yeah. You know, I've seen I know I've seen the dark side of like early adoption yep. and like or adopting the right tool without even invet- or investing in people knowing how to use it. Right. There's yep. all kinds of so so adopting a tool responsibly at scale within an engineering org, you have to do it responsibly. You know, you have to like have a plan and a roadmap and implementation and you have to have a bunch of change management around it and so therefore like that's where that bias is coming from um i do see the benefit of typescript absolutely for large-scale projects with multiple engineers that are multi-year like no doubt right like that's why java is a thing like java is great for large-scale enterprise multi-team multi-year projects right because it's so there's so much convention baked in very hard to go off the rails you know um, and so like I see the benefit I think it's more that like I just I'm not a fan of like one solution for everything meaning like if I have to write a simple script I'm not going to write a simple script in TypeScript and bring in a bunch of tooling and this and that right like it depends on what I'm doing or what I like it, TypeScript I have to have a need for it and you know I, I, and I have to be able to justify that need you know yeah. I'm, I'm just not going like it's like the people who like put GraphQL in front of everything like GraphQL was meant to solve one problem, do you need to solve this problem in this context, right? Like, do you need to make this website a progressive web app? Like, do you really need a service worker for this like basic ass blog? Like, you know, like there's just so much, you know, over engineering and we have a lot of bias that we need to check as engineers. Like you just have to check your own bias first, you know? Right. But But speaking
4: of like migration and using TypeScript, is there a way in which like an official React way of scaffolding uh, a React project with TypeScript? Or are there like tools that you yes. recommend using? Okay, it's a great question.
1: So yeah, create React app now supports TypeScript out of the box using the Babel plugin that I was talking about earlier. Uh, that enables that. So when you're creating a React app, there's different templates that you can use, and TypeScript is one of it. So you get it right out of the box and such, and you have TypeScript support. So that's the easiest and best way if you're um, starting an app. And even if you have a Create React app, existing one, they have docs on how to convert over to using TypeScript in their docs. And then if you're not using Create React app, you obviously go the Babel plugin route. So, yeah, they provided those pathways.
4: That's cool. I've experimented a little with, like, TSDX and what Jared Palmer mm. has been doing with, like, those libraries for, like, zero config. Mm -hmm. stuff and it's really nice because you can just scaffold it and then just start working everything is sort of configured for you yeah but yeah i think that one is sort of independent of react you don't have to use react in order to use TSDX. but yeah
0: cool I have a question, Ben. Segway Mm -hmm. into like, so React, so we have create React app where you can maybe uh, scaffold with the TypeScript uh, template. I think it's a flag, right? It's like template dash TypeScript or something. But like, how is the ecosystem like at large kind of adapted to this change? Because if I have a React app that's in TypeScript and I was using, you know, material UI like or some other React library that hasn't, like, is it just kind of the same sequence of like, you know, the definitely typed uh, pull request that needs to happen from the community. So it's just that same workflow, essentially? Um,
1: More and more React libraries are using TypeScript. So you mentioned Material UI. It's actually using TypeScript. So that one's really, really nice. And just kind of TypeScript has become more and more popular in in the ecosystem. So more and more libraries, specifically those related to React, already have TypeScript support. So that's pretty nice. But then, yeah, the fallback is always definitely typed. And generally, they've been pretty good. They're high quality.
4: Cool.
5: I'm interested to hear a little bit more about the component system that you Mm -hmm. implemented with TypeScript and things like that. I don't tend to see... I'm not really in the patent library, I guess, uh, community. So I'm always interested to hear how that's been going when you have a team that has to use them and how TypeScript has helped with that too, especially when people are getting to know new um, components that you might have introduced.
1: Yeah. Yeah, TypeScript has been really, really great um, for component library because there's always this weird associations between props, like, oh, if you specify this prop, then you can't specify this prop, or this prop only makes sense if you specify this other prop. And you can make those kind of associations in TypeScript. They're more advanced associations, but you can do that in TypeScript and be assured that in the code that that contract was uh, followed, which is really nice. And then um, one thing that I've borrowed from Material UI is this concept that root element can be changeable, I guess. So it's called... Uh, I forget what the term is, but it's basically having an as prop for a component. So you can say, oh, I have this link component, but I can set as to be a span instead of being an a tag, for instance. So now I'm able to have a link component and it has all of its props. But then if I change the underlying tag, now my component supports all the props of that underlying tag as well. So I could make it a label. I could have a text component and then make it a label tag. And now it supports HTML4 because I said it's a label as opposed to being an H1, for instance. And now I get all of the props and it's properly typed as well because of that association. So using things like generics for your um, components really makes all those sorts of things possible. You know, I have a generic list that you pass in a list of things, and then you have a render prop to render out each individual thing. While uh, using generics, you can make the association that the item passed to the render prop is of of a specific type based upon the items that were passed in. So kind of all of these weird kind of associations and contracts type that happen by convention or you have to just say in docs, like this is how these things work, you can enforce with TypeScript, which happens a lot with shared libraries and stuff like that, yeah.
5: That sounds really good. It even seems like that would be helpful with things like accessibility. So if somebody creates an image, it can immediately say that the alt prop is required or something like that, right?
1: Yep, all those kind of things, yeah. You have to enforce these other props.
5: Yeah. So it won't compile unless you put it in, which is good. Yeah. It's the first step towards getting yes. people writing high quality <laughs> components.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
5: I like the composability of what you just mentioned too, that you're you're basically being able to base things off different root elements. I never really thought about creating, I guess, that kind of flexibility in a component might be that's very cool.
1: Yeah, it's like that just that Feature saves so much of configurability of like oh I wish this thing was a different thing or I need it to be this it's just like okay just change whatever type it is underlying and do what you what you need to there's just that it was a great thing that Material UI did and I definitely copied it. <laughs>
5: <them>. <laughs> it's good to copy patterns that are you know battle tested um, and mm-hmm. that sounds like a very highly valuable one. I would say that this is one of the big. I guess, like, reasons why you would want to use types. I think that that just sells itself right there.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree.
4: Awesome. Yeah, I totally agree with the composability point, and I didn't even think much about that as well until you mentioned it, but that makes a lot of sense with regards to... Because then you don't necessarily have to think about all the possible types that this particular component will... or the different use cases that this component will be used for. You're yeah. just like, oh, here's a generic, and then you can just like change it if you'd like.
1: Yeah, and the nice thing, it's still type safe because normally you'll just say, oh, I'm just going to take all these props, assume they did it right, and pass it on to the underlying element and hope they didn't pass anything that the element doesn't support. But if it's typed such that I know, well, TypeScript knows what that underlying element's supposed to be, but it's generic, then depending on if it's a span versus a a label versus whatever, the supported props changes, but it's always going to be type safe. So if I say it's a label, I can't pass in an href. Or if I say it's, um, you know, one other tag, I can't pass in something else. So that's the benefit. It's really, really hard to type, though. Uh, So the TypeScript, like gymnastics you have to do to make that work (laughs) is really hard. But like once it's in place, then it's, It's nice.
4: Yeah, I think there have been times when I've had to, like, I I, this is with a separate compiler I was writing for, but it's sort of like you're just trying to appease the compiler sometimes.
5: (laughs) Yep, yep.
4: (laughs) Just, like, writing around it. I mean, within TypeScript, you don't really get into that kind of situation too much because oftentimes the advanced use cases are not as common. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like this one edge case that you work with in which you have to, like, do this sort of dance with the compiler, but most of the time it's fairly straightforward. Like you understand based on the error that you're getting what you have to do.
1: I would say that still happens in TypeScript. Like I'm gonna be honest.
4: Interesting. Okay.
1: Like I find myself I'm (laughs) developing TypeScript. Not developing my app. I'm developing TypeScript Ah. trying to appease it. But a lot of that happens when I have existing JavaScript that I'm trying to convert to TypeScript. So I basically wrote it in a loose way that is either not typable or, really, really difficult to type. So, one thing I suggest to people is that when you are choosing to adopt TypeScript, you're choosing to make your code more strict. So, you may have to change how your code is written in order to support um, mm-hmm. what you're trying to do. So, if you start from TypeScript from the beginning, then it's not gonna let you do some things right off the bat, especially if you have the VS code integration and it's complaining as you do various different (laughs) things. So, yeah, it's difficult sometimes. And the TypeScript errors are, you know, they are cryptic. They're like hyper-specific, which Mm
3: -hmm. is
1: actually not a good thing in certain cases. You're just like, yes, what you just said in that error is correct, but that doesn't, like, I need to deduce some things or have seen this error 20 times to now know, oh, okay, that means I need to do x for the more complicated cases for the simple stuff yeah it makes they make sense so it's all a learning curve
4: yeah i find myself getting into problems sometimes i mean i was working on a specific typescript project that was a bit complicated but like for example with events i was like oh it's using a regular like just an event but then it assumes html event and i'm like no it's not an html event it's this other type of an event that's mm-hmm. sort of being passed, and I have to go and figure out where that's coming from and just trace yeah. back where the types are.
3: Yeah. Um,
4: and depending on how in depth your project, it ended up me going back all the way to like WebAssembly and being like, oh, okay, this is the type from this there. This is the
1: type of event. <laughs> and this yeah. is how
4: it like trickles down to this component I'm using. And like, yeah. what did I miss? Or what is TypeScript telling me in terms of like the way in which I define the types?
1: Right. So that part is annoying. like not. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat it. However, it ensures that you are accessing the right properties on that event. So you won't access something that doesn't exist. And it will, if you're in VS Code, once you get the types right, tell you what does exist, which is pretty helpful. So you don't have to go and find the docs and stuff many times. So yeah.
4: Yeah, I found that useful for user facing stuff. Like we were building a project for work and we're going to have users use that particular tool a lot. And mm-hmm. we didn't have types for it. And I was more or less writing examples for users to look at so mm-hmm. that they'll understand how to use it and found myself in like weird areas where I had to go back into the Rust code and be like, okay, what's the API? Yeah. <laughs> and then understand wh- how to write it in JavaScript. And I have deep context as to how this thing works and I'm already struggling to understand <laughs> like if I'm accessing the right thing. Yeah. So just to think, like you know, if you don't offer a way in which users can understand what the API types are, because it's like pre TypeScript, I remember having to do like you would do like the the definitions at the top, sort of a sense of like comments, and you're like, this is the thing, th- these are the parameters, and these are the possible types. Oh, yeah.
5: like JS Doc, JS doc. yeah, JS Doc,
4: yeah, yeah. And then you would have that produced documentation for you that shows you like. These are the, the attributes that it takes in and these are the types, mm-hmm. all possible types. But mm-hmm. it doesn't check it for you. You have to like go back to the doc and check every time to make yeah. sure that you're following it correctly. So yeah, with TypeScript and having automatic VS Code tell you these are things that are available. You don't like as you're typing it, you do like E dot and then it's like here's all the possible things within that event object.
1: Yep. It's so
4: useful because it saves you so much time. Yep.
1: Exactly.
5: The one thing I will say is sometimes though, I see people release something and think that there's no need to include documentation. There's nothing that frustrates me more than having to go and find the library on GitHub, click on the type yes. definitions and go through and actually find out how to use something. And I have yeah. to do that much more often than I'm expecting to these days. Yeah. And, and I, I, I get that people auto-generate docs with Types, which is very helpful. And so it's like kind of the bare minimum, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's very terse, like JS stocks. Um, But I'm also expecting to see examples as well.
1: Examples. Um,
5: And several examples. And I think, Divya, you touched on a really important point there where, yes, it makes it easier for you to basically provide the strict – documentation, especially if someone doesn't use VS code, for example, I use Vim and I don't like to clutter it up with lots of plugins. And so I'm generally not benefiting from the autocomplete in that way. But at the same time, you know, I'm an experienced developer, so I can grok documentation very quickly. And so just give me something <laughs> to <Yeah>. go with. <laughs> um, and so I want to remind people that TypeScript can actually help you at least generate the docs at the bare minimum. So there's no excuse for doing it and making people splunk through source code. I
4: think you have to have two types of docs. And this is something that I've sort of tried to advocate for internally, that TypeScript gives you API docs, which is a very specific kind of docs. But if you want people to use a like, like it's a specific kind of person who looks at API docs and automatically uses the library and understands everything. But most users need example code to be like, okay, what are instances in which I can use this? Like code snippets, let's say. And then I can sort of map that to the API doc. And the exactly. API docs, I would say, is a reference. It's not really like a thing that mm-hmm. you go to read what the thing does, because I'm like, your API tells me nothing about what your code actually or the, this library does. It just mm-hmm. tells me how to use it, but I need to know like in what cases I'd use it and like how it's been used before, the edge cases, and so on. Yeah, context is everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah, there's actually um, an article. And I mentioned this in a talk of mine that there are actually four types of docs.
4: Oh, yeah. I think I watched that talk before. Oh, yeah. There you go. Was that JSConf Hawaii? It
1: was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So there's the API docs, which are what we're saying. um, is like the bare minimum that happens. The examples or recipes is another form, which are really helpful. I think the two of those are the bare minimum, really. Mm -hmm. And then there are tutorials that really work Walk. You through um, things. And then workshops, I believe, is the last one. So it's like all of those are kind of different forms of docs that target the different ways people learn. Because in my opinion, API docs are only really useful if you already know how the thing works. They don't really teach Mm -hmm. you how the thing works. So you need something else to kind of get you there. And then those API docs may make sense. So, yeah.
4: Yeah, because API docs also send you down a rabbit hole sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because as you just keep clicking on the type to go down (laughs) to like the (laughs) actual... It's so
5: true. Oh, it's so
4: true. (laughs) And then understand what exactly you're trying to do. I've been in that rabbit hole so many times.
5: Oh, yeah. I wrote a VS Code extension recently and there is the documentation there it needs a lot of help and just so many you know holding down command and clicking on a on a type and then having another tab open another tab another tab another tab it's definitely my experience with that it was not an
4: enjoyable experience yeah it's definitely an interest like an important thing to know for library authors yeah just like people who are yeah that you might know how the thing works but your users don't so exactly awesome Is there anything else that we missed or that we should talk about before we close out? And before we close out, I wanted to just like give a shout out to where people can find you and that kind of stuff. But Suze, do you have anything to add?
5: No, that was all, but I would really like to know where people can follow up with Ben.
4: Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, so Ben, can you just give us a sense of like where people can follow up with you, where we can hear your talks? I know you're giving mini workshops too, or mini shops. Yeah, yes. where can we find all this information?
1: Yeah, so um uh, you can find me mainly on Twitter. So my Twitter handle is bennvp. I'm assuming that was why the the uh JS party edition was called Ben the MVP because no, <laughs> that is my handle. Uh so ben MVP on Twitter, my uh site is also bennvp.com. So that's where you can find uh, all the past talks, videos of the talks, lots of blog posts. I like to blog about things that people ask me about a lot. It's all mm-hmm. mostly about React. So sorry, Divya. Um, you won't <laughs> find any view. I'm actually there. writing more
4: React <laughs> these days. So I'm moving yeah. back in that direction. Uh
1: so on the topic of mini shops, so like you said, I do these um three hour or so mini workshops, which I call them mini shops, about uh, different topics. Mainly React right now, so I host them online virtual and such. And I actually have a workshop called TypeScript for React developers that's on there. So if anybody's interested in learning, okay, let's dig into what it will look like to learn to do TypeScript in React. I have a a mini shop on that. So if you go to benmvp.com, you'll see a link there about the mini shops.
4: That's awesome. Do you also make people do, like, squats at the beginning (laughs) talks?
1: I don't. So I I save the squats for uh, talks. It's a special thing for the live experience. And it just doesn't Ah. seem like it would make sense in the workshop. I haven't, but maybe hmm, I'll have to think of a way to incorporate (laughs) that back in there. The funny thing is, like, I've, for like the last two years, have been wanting to just not do them anymore um because they take time and whatever but people keep saying like oh i hope you don't make me do squats (laughs) well i guess i need to make you do squats then like there's so much excitement around them so i just you know it's a trade yeah exactly (laughs) it's funny so
4: awesome well thanks again for being on the show with us it was lovely as, as always
1: thanks for having me
4: cool
3: well, Front End Feud was a big hit, so we're doing it again. This time, we'll be playing our family feud-inspired game show at HalfStack on October 30th. What else will you see at HalfStack? You'll see people using the web to create stuff like music, art, VR, robots, poetry, comedy, cool stuff like that. Get your tickets at HalfStackConf.com. Thanks to Divya for emceeing, to Suze and Amel for riding shotgun, and to our special guest, Ben. You are the MVP of this episode, my friend. To the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder for all of our beats. To our longtime sponsors, Fastly, Linode, and Rollbar. And thanks to you for listening. We appreciate you spending your time with us. That's all we have for you today. Front End Feud returns next week.